0: Welcome, welcome, welcome into a Friday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the Morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Thanks for being with us on your Friday. Not as chilly today.
1: Didn't have to scrape this morning. It's All always wins. a good day. All wins. All dubs to start the day.
0: You don't have to scrape. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. So coming up on the show today... A lot to discuss regarding the Big Ten. Coaches want Michigan to be punished now. We'll get to some audio from Ryan Walters here in just a bit. Plus, the Big Ten releases the 2024 schedule. Same day, go figure. Uh, Shaq Leonard unhappy with late game playing time. In hour number two, we'll be joined by Dylan Sin of the Journal Gazette. A little bit on Bob Knight and previewing college football this weekend. The Colts offensive coordinator said that the team will have its oddball quarters. Jonathan Taylor is still part of the offense. Well, we, we were going to get to this the other day, didn't have time, and we'll, we'll dive into it now because this is like if there were ever an opportunity or ever was an opportunity for Jonathan Taylor to have a huge game, this would be the one on Sunday against Carolina. And Brett Rempel will join us as well to preview Friday night high school football as sectional championship night is here. Hard to believe we, we've already reached that stage
1: it is flown by and you didn't mention the the most exciting thing about friday is the start of the nba in-season tournament
0: oh gosh get yeah.
1: crazy yeah i mean just the the excitement of this is just palpable is it who wanted this and who cares I agree. Other than the courts, which are pretty snazzy, we already talked about that. Who wanted this and who cares? So you win the NBA cup, big deal.
0: And before we leave you a bizarre, uh, alleged murder in Australia. Ooh, that'll be about eight 850, Can't wait. Uh, this is like, this is something you think you'd see in a movie or a book, but it was real life.
1: Really, they yes. always got something weird going down in Australia, don't it,
0: they? It it does usually seem like it's with it.
1: the animals. True, it, it is just like the wildlife in Australia. I mean, when you start with kangaroos and uh, and stuff like that, and go down to if you look up like how many venomous animals there are in Australia, it it's a it's crazy. I would not want to live in Australia.
0: Well, I mean, they got kangaroos dingoes
1: yeah i mean they got the cool stuff they got they got the marsupials covered koalas but when you go down the uh the line to reptiles and arachnids it's it's uh it's a veritable who's who of uh of of uh, scariness when it comes to those two things
0: arachnids there's our word of the day yes arachnids (laughs) four six eight six two is your text line number four six eight six two if you have thoughts on the uh, big ten go ahead and send them our way we'll get to that right after headlines uh and we start off last night uh so a lot going on last night in sports you had thursday night football you had victor wimbanyama going off We'll, we'll start with Thursday Night Football as Pittsburgh hangs on to defeat Tennessee 20-16. to Will Levis, not, not as good in start number two. He not did that. not That's throw four surprise. touchdown
1: passes. He threw zero touchdown passes, and all I needed for two different parlays is one touchdown pass from Will Levis last night, and I didn't get it. But <laughs> I'm not bitter at all, Caleb. No, sir.
0: Instead, he threw one pick
1: and was sacked four times. He has shown promise through the first two weeks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I already, and, and I'm sure he's listening. A buddy of mine texting me, well, that's another quarterback that Colts should have taken. He's played six, he texted me at halftime. Okay, Will Levis have played all of six quarters, and we're already saying Will Levis is better than <laughs> Anthony Richardson.
0: Come on. I, I still think if you're a Colts fan, you should you should be happy with who you got, because th- no one's proven anything yet, and Anthony Richardson has at least shown enough promise as everyone else, including CJ Stroud, in my opinion. Would you have wanted
1: to see him play more in year one? Absolutely. But not writing off Anthony Richardson
0: by any means. No, no, absolutely not. So uh, Pittsburgh improves to five and three. They get the win Tennessee drops to three and five. So you just wonder how much longer before they just decide, let's just go with Levis and, and see what he can do the rest of the season. Yeah.
1: I, I think he's shown enough to earn more starts. Now, Looking at the Steelers now, five and three. When, what's the point when you start taking Baltimore or Baltimore Pittsburgh seriously in the AFC
0: <laughs> when they can beat Baltimore?
1: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's the thing. They they well, they beat Baltimore in week five, I think. Let me check. Yeah, they beat Baltimore.
0: Okay, when they can when they can consistently win division games, how about that?
1: But okay. They're now five and three, and um, we'll see if they can continue this run. I mean, they're on pace—at least on pace—with Baltimore right now. Um, somehow they're five and three with a minus thirty point differential, but getting by. I just—I just look at Pittsburgh as a paper tiger. I i am not buying in Pittsburgh.
0: I'm not either, and I get it. Like they're—they're they're two and zero oh in the division, but I don't like they're. They've allowed 30 more points than they've scored. I guess, I guess that's the biggest problem I Correct.
1: have. I just, I don't see the staying power for Pittsburgh. I, I I would pick them, even at five and three, wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh finishes last in that division. Cincinnati is going to jump them. Yes. And they're on par with Cleveland. So good and, win and, for Pittsburgh. I just, I'm not buying into the Steelers.
0: Cleveland, I just don't know which team you're going to get each week, right? Because you don't know if Deshaun Watson's going to play or not.
1: Right, and then which Deshaun Watson you're even going to get. True. uh, I I don't think the Cleveland Browns are a playoff team, but uh, if there was a team that I expect to fall off in the second half of the season, I would say it's Pittsburgh.
0: Meanwhile, elsewhere in the NFL, Jalen Smith, former Bishop Bluers star, Notre Dame star, has a new team as uh, Jalen Smith has been signed by the Raiders off the Saints practice squad. So congrats to him getting uh, another shot with a different NFL team. So he's just been kind of hanging around Um, Looking to return to form uh, going back to that 2019 season, he's kind of bounced around after that. The Giants, uh, the Packers, obviously on the Saints practice squad. I feel like I'm missing one other team. So um, hopefully this will be more of a steady home for him. It would be nice.
1: It, it, it's tough to get excited. You're glad that Jalen Smith is getting another opportunity with the team. It's just tough to get excited when he's bounced around the NFL. You, you hope it leads to something tangible and consistent playing time. But uh, I believe it when I see it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it, again, though, just being there. And, and having the opportunity, oh, absolutely is, is all you can ask for.
1: Yeah, and he's coming into a uh, to an interesting situation in Vegas
0: for sure. So he'll so have he, to get be could, caught he up could quickly find on the some playing what's going time down. very quickly as well, based on how things.
1: And one have of gone. the worst defenses in the NFL too. So if Jalen can get in there and contribute and help out that defense, it would be a great opportunity for him and much needed for the Raiders.
0: Meanwhile, the World Series, the least watched fall classic in tv history averaging 9.11 million viewers uh game five was the largest audience of this world series the game the clinching game um but the 2020 series drew 9.79 million uh between the dodgers and the rays in six games so uh, that was the previous low 23 percent decline from last year when houston beat philly in six games i mean you had bigger tv markets there Right. Houston uh, and Philly, two top 10 markets versus, you know, Phoenix is, I don't know where they're at, but they're definitely not top 10 and, and Dallas-Fort Worth is top five, but it you, wasn't a competitive series.
1: No. And and I guess if anybody's listening didn't watch the World Series, why, why didn't you? I didn't watch the World Series, not much of it anyway, because I, 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 but I could say that for the last four or five World Series. So this was no different if you had had Yankees and uh, Philly in there, for example, I probably wouldn't watch any more than that, but for those listening, why didn't you watch the World Series? Did it just not excite you? Did the Diamondbacks and and Rangers not excite you? I don't know.
0: I I love postseason baseball. I can't get very excited about the regular season, but postseason baseball is still a draw for me. Always has been. Uh, So I I watch as much of the World Series as I can. I, I miss the... The end of the clinching game, but I felt like it was <laughs> yeah over <laughs> by the time I went to bed. Well, it's,
1: it's it's two different things in my mind. First off, the baseball season is so damn long. Yes. And two is you're going up against football season. Death to everyone. And sometimes when you, like for me, okay, if I'm watching Thursday night football, I'm watching Saturday football, I'm watching Sunday football, I'm watching half the time Monday football. Sometimes I just don't want to watch sports on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> or Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, or or whatever, or I just can't... you know, eventually Well, having
0: you a up. having f- a Friday night, Saturday night game, to me, cannot help.
1: No, 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 no.
0: And that's what this World either, Series is. Everybody's
1: at. doing stuff on Friday, particularly Friday heading into uh, the weekend before Halloween, and everybody's got parties and all that yes. stuff. And then Saturday, you're going up against college football, which you're not going to win. And so... Yeah, it's just uh, it's bad timing, but didn't help, I guess, with the lack of big markets. But I I would prefer to watch Texas and Arizona over uh, the Yankees and
0: Dodgers, yeah, Yankees, Dodgers,
1: or whatever. But uh, but not, I guess, uh, not a lot of people tuned in, so I wasn't alone.
0: IU basketball announced plans to uh, honor Bob Knight. They'll have RMK patches on their home and road uniforms for the men's and women's teams for the 2023, 24 season. Um, and then they'll also do something at the exhibition game as well. Uh, a uh, that against Marion university on, on t- tonight. Yeah. And then, uh, that's the first time that patch will be worn. And then for the women's squad, it'll be the regular season opener against Eastern Illinois on November 9th at assembly hall.
1: Uh, well, we were talking about yesterday, what was IU going to do? I think this is the first step to to honor uh, Coach Knight and his passing. Get text coming in World Series wasn't a team I wanted to win or a team I w- desperately wanted to lose, just didn't care about who, who yeah. won. I I I, I, I feel that, that apathy too. Oh, Arizona, Texas, oh, that's cool. Don't really care who wins. Cool for either either franchise. It wasn't a, oh, I got to watch because I want the Yankees to lose or win or the Cubs to win or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, eh. That's fun.
0: IU also, IU football, they'll wear RMK decals on their helmets for the rest of the season as well.
1: Okay, for those
0: still yeah. watching
1: IU football, <laughs>
0: you'll be able to t- IU, see uh IU Wisconsin on Saturday at Memorial Stadium. Uh-huh. I know Get uh, crazy! they already gave away all the tickets on this, the sports rush, but we'll have more IU tickets coming up, I believe, not next week, but the week after. Ah. Uh-huh. Or right. IU Michigan State. The Old Brass Spittoon uh-huh I, I favorite rivalry game name yeah well it's up there i i
1: i wish i was alive the days of the spittoon like you just in every room and you could just spit in it <laughs> Could you imagine
0: imagine how gross that would uh, be oh wow well,
1: well between that and uh you know chamber pots i mean you just had Ugh. you just had uh uh body fluid sitting all over the place yeah but um, yeah, no spittoons in the studio this morning. It's so funny because all week we talk about IU and be like, oh my gosh, they're so terrible. And then we're like, go to the IU game. <laughs> it's just so, uh, so funny. And people want to go. God love you. People, people
0: love go. free stuff. I love free stuff. Don't Except we free t-shirts. I do not love free t-shirts.
1: I say the, the degradation of society is you can you can see the human species in its simplest form when people are throwing out t-shirts. It it doesn't matter socioeconomic status or race or sex or anything is just everything boils down to the simplest form of our species when people are throwing out T-shirts. It's just everybody goes crazy. Yes. For probably an oversized cheap ass T-shirt. And that's why I don't like them. And like
0: it, they but, never fit. It's terrible, like fabric quality.
1: Yeah, you are getting the Gildan quality. It's like six dollars. <laughs> it's probably a double XL because they oh, we got to make sure everybody they, your kid catches it. And like, when am I gonna wear this? Like maybe when you are thirty. But seriously, anytime, whether and and if you have some uh, uh, something that shoots t shirts, I mean that's borderline mayhem with humans. Like it, it is almost just absolute chaos. It's so funny to me. It's just the the society just it boils down to if you're throwing out t-shirts, people will go absolutely nuts.
0: Yes, I don't. Get, I don't. I, understand. I, I do not because again, I don't want a crappy t-shirt. I don't need another crappy t-shirt. I know.
1: I got I got three drawers of t-shirts that I am constantly told to clean out. Oh, I see, I another I've t-shirt. Clean
0: mine out. I have a drawer of of t-shirts that's full of shirts of. of Shirts I actually want to wear. Yeah, and my thing is, I can always buy another like sports like graphic t shirt. So I've tried to cut back.
1: Right. I I I can't remember the last time I asked for a t shirt for anything or bought a t like I have. Okay, t shirts I'll wear out. T shirts I'll wear on the weekends. T shirts I just wear to bed. Oversized t shirts, undersized. Like it's a problem. So maybe that's part of it. I don't. need I, another I've gotten rid either. of
0: a lot of the the free shirts yes. i've received yeah good reason those are good to turn into like rags and stuff That's yes what i do <laughs> brett just just texted me Accept our our custom uh 1380 fan high school shirts yes which look really good and i'm excited for those to roll out for basketball season so yes get well, more get details those. on those get one of those shirts those are custom designed they look really good i'm not concerned about the fabric quality they're not Brett the $5 ones. Point. Yeah, no, they are not.
1: <laughs> and everybody's going to get a double XL. Made locally,
0: yeah, no. You're not getting an XL or double XL and a white t-shirt, Gildan brand. No, <laughs> none of that nonsense. That uh, nonsense. In, in the NBA last night, Victor Womenyama, career high 38 points as the Spurs swept the Suns this week. If you would have told me that before the season, I would have thought you were insane.
1: What a time to be alive in the NBA. <laughs>
0: The Spurs now three and two on the year, Phoenix two and three. So screenshot that for what it's worth. But Victor Wimanyama has been every bit as advertised and better so far. 38 points, 10 rebounds, two blocks in the win last night. Uh, Outplaying Kevin Durant in this game. Uh, Outplaying Devin Booker who had huge games. So who knows? Maybe the Spurs have something more here than we thought.
1: Well, they have a generational player, at least what it looks like in Victor Wimanyama, which was the expectation when he was the clear-cut number one for a couple years when projecting uh, this draft. Spurs are going to need some more time and some more assets, but could this turn into a Giannis-Milwaukee situation? Yeah. Where you have one player that you're able to bring in and just transcends... The franchise you saw it with with Twin Towers and having Tim Duncan and David Robinson, and you're really able to build a, a, a franchise around those two guys. Could we see a return to form in that sense with San Antonio? I mean, they're off to a good start with Weminyama already flirting with 40 point games, five games into his pro career. That's
0: pretty impressive. I mean, this early on, and again, we figured he'd be on. Uh, a minutes restriction. He played 34 minutes. I doubt we'll see him play much more than 35 in a game this season. So, very promising early return. So, there's the positive in the NBA last night. The negative, once again, Bally Sports, I mean, it was rinse-repeat on their social media channels for, I believe, the second straight night. Uh, we've been notified there's a streaming issue with the app. The operations team is working to resolve this as quickly as we can to get you back in the game. We'll update you when service has been restored. <laughs> Just, Rinse, repeat. I, it's, I mean, I, how much longer is the NBA going to put up with this? Uh, like, clearly, they're not paying some sort of vendor that they thought, "Oh, we don't need to pay for that." And then it's causing outages, and that's the second, or I believe even the third straight night this has happened.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, those are contracts that good luck trying to get out of. But if people up in Detroit, they couldn't watch the Red Wings and.
0: Yeah, it's not uh, just the NBA. That's it's not true. just the
1: NBA. It's it's the NHL as well. But uh, they're they're slow. They're disappearing slowly but surely. I mean, eventually, I, I don't even know how many people out there are really. Hey, I gotta get whatever cable outlet to get Valley Sports in this area. Maybe elsewhere. Maybe if you go to Detroit, no, it's the only way to watch Red Wings games. Yeah, it's frustrating. But here, I mean, how many people? How many people really are listening or frustrated that if they're having any outages, can't watch the Pacers? I'd say very little. Mm-hmm. Indy? Different story. Here? No. Nah. Not many.
0: And uh, speaking of the Pacers, so they unveiled their City Edition uniform, so we saw the court. Are they any better than last year? Uh, yes. it. It's kind of a weird color combination, so you have black as like the base. What is like the purple? Purple. Not, that, was that last year? Yeah, I'm not seeing the purple on these. Okay, so, so that was last year. You have a... The main color is black in the background. Then you have indie, like in kind of like a... a I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a Miami Vice style font. Is it, yeah, is it trying to be like fast and sleek like like yeah. the Speedway? I the the number off to the side, not centered, but off to uh, the side just all in, in yellow. And then you'll have kind of like a teal trim on the outside mixed with the yellow, same yellow trim. And then obviously the, the black base, they look pretty cool. No, nothing to do with Pacers colors in my opinion, but that's these the, are pretty cool. Well, that's will the thing
1: that. with this alternate teal. Like where did this come from? Because the court for the illustrious NBA cup is teal. And I'm like, when did this become a <laughs> color for the Pacers? Uh,
0: was this tonight?
1: A, <laughs> because a, that's a, when
0: these debut along with the court.
1: My thing it was the were the Pacers like, hey, NBA, use this color, or was the NBA, hey, hey, Pacers, this is your color now. It's just weird. I don't understand where this this color scheme came from, but you know, whatever.
0: It's it's only going to be worn for a handful of games. Same with the court, used for a handful of games. I just it's so bizarre. It it's like, well, where did this color come from? But all right, whatever. 46862, the text line number 46862. All right. Uh, Big Ten coaches want Michigan punished now. This is no surprise. Uh, report came out yesterday afternoon first on the coaches, then in the evening after Tony Petiti met with the ADs on everything. They want something to happen now in season just because the NCAA, you know, will not be able to come up with some sort of punishment right away and I uh, will get to this audio in a bit uh, with Ryan Walters what he had to say at the uh, his coach's show yesterday or, or excuse me Wednesday um, no it would have been yesterday so normally it's Wednesdays I've got got all my dates off it, it was yesterday normally it would have been Wednesday but because of Purdue basketball so here's what he had to say uh, about Michigan being punished. And why I find this interesting is he's the coach who actually went on the record. It's one thing to be quoted anonymously in these stories. It's another to actually say something about it. And I give him props because I'm going to blast all the other coaches after this. But here's Ryan Walter's exchange about this.
2: Uh, it's been in the news here the last few weeks. Uh, certainly there's an investigation going on with uh, Michigan and the fact that apparently they've had people coming out and buying tickets to games where you're not supposed to do that. Uh, as a result of that, are you doing anything different on Saturday night to prepare for what could be happening on the other side?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate um, and, and what's crazy is it's, there aren't allegations like it, it happened. You know yeah. what I mean? And And, you know, there's video evidence, there's um, ticket purchases and sales that you can track back, and you know we know for a fact that they were at a number of our games, um, and so you know we've had to teach our guys a new language in terms of um, some signals, and, and we will operate differently offensively. Like we might, you might see us in a huddle, yeah, um, for the for the first time this season. Um, so it is, it is what it is. But uh, we're excited to go play, and I think it'll make for a great story.
0: Uh, first things first it happened so that, that's that's where he started off with um there's video evidence there's ticket purchases sales you can track back we know for a fact they're at a number of our games so we had to teach our guys a new language in terms of some signals so he addressed it on the record uh props to him because all the other big 10 coaches are absolute cowards in these stories not putting their name and, and going at it and and for Walters, look, part of his timing because Purdue is playing at Michigan tomorrow night. So I think that's one aspect of it. But at least props to him for calling it out and speaking on the record about it with his name attached.
1: Yeah, he's the one that would go to that, that spoke out about. it. Plenty of coaches have, but of course, hiding behind anonymous and all that stuff. But a couple of the the the, the things that I've heard, some of the quotes. About it. And and here's the thing is, is it's a serious, it's a serious, it's not an allegation. They did it. Okay. Yes. It's a, it's a serious thing because it's not allowed whether you agree or disagree, or this is silly. Why are another, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to do it. And Michigan was doing it. And some of the comments too, from other coaches, and this was a Sunbell head coach said, quote, in some ways they should be held accountable for just sheer stupidity. They could have done this for years and years and years and never been caught if they'd just been smart about it. And another Midwest uh, Mountain West coach, quote, if you're going to do it like that, at least be subtle about it. They were so arrogant and brazen and didn't hide it at all. It just showed how much they didn't care about the rules, end quote.
0: So Tony Petiti is actually going to be in Ann Arbor today for the Big Ten Field Hockey Tournament. And sources say he'll likely meet with Michigan President Santa Ono uh, during his trip as well. And then you have Big Ten coaches, you know, wanting – Pretty serious punishments and, and wanting things done, but again, too afraid to attach their names to it outside of Ryan Walters. Here, here's my thing: you want to put some pressure on, attach your name to it. Otherwise, you're just being a coward. Plain and simple.
1: Yeah, and it, but but they hear the thing like coaches say, well, every game they they played is tainted and blah blah blah. So what? they're ain't no. And that's why I don't yeah, think it, the Big it, Ten is gonna come down on them then because they're
0: eight 0 no. It comes across as sour grapes to me if you're not willing to attach your name to it and uh, Yeah, grow up know, here. Accuse them of, of doing this and that. And and again, there's a lot of evidence, but if you're gonna say it's tainted or fraudulent or unprecedented words coaches all used on this, this video call with Tony right. Petiti the other day, attach your name to it. Don't be a don't be a chump here. Yeah, don't like that, hide behind it. An that's anonymity. what I I do not respect at all in this scenario. So I respect Ryan Walters for saying something publicly, uh, but the other coaches, if you're going to do that, and then it's, this story is going to get reported on, put your name on it, own it. And here's Be- because, like, here's the thing: the Michigan State AD, which of course, like he on the AD call was complaining about things and he was the one worried about safety because which is such a joke, but Hey, at least he put his name on it. At least we knew it was true. It was everyone else. It's all anonymous. You can say whatever you want.
1: And this was a, a a question I proposed to you yesterday with big 10 coaches is, are they, are they, are they asking for punishment on Michigan because they're legitimately outraged for what Michigan did or Are they looking at it as, well, we can't beat Michigan, so we're going to be outraged to try to get them to be punished? I just, what's the outrage? Is the outrage of the act of what Michigan did, or is the outrage you can't beat Michigan?
0: I think the outrage is that Michigan was doing this, got caught, and these coaches either A, weren't doing it, or B, if they were or are, haven't been caught, so they want to make Michigan be the scapegoat and look bad.
1: Yeah, I just I I I don't know. First of all, the Big Ten's not going to do anything in season. If 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 Michigan was five and three, maybe. But they're eight 0 and, oh. and Big Ten go, well, that's our ticket to a lot of money in the college football playoff exactly. that, or Ohio State. They're not going to do anything in season to Michigan. Is it right? I'm not saying that, but that's that's reality. We know this conference just chases money. And a, somehow punishing a team that is in line to at least right now make the college football playoff and make the league a lot of money isn't going to do anything to
0: that team. And again, the, the Big Ten has the right to punish Michigan. And if it goes beyond the, the scope of the commissioner and what he can do, they have an a, executive committee that could approve, tonight or lessen the, the discipline. So like they have ways to take action in season. A, a, again, though, we have doubts that they will do anything.
1: Text coming in, Michigan's Houston Astros of the NCAA football. Also, this is why the NCAA is a joke. Samson got IU basketball, what was almost the death penalty, for making an extra phone call to recruits. Michigan is caught cheating the game with proof, and they'll wait until all guilty parties are gone if they do anything.
0: That's the way it looks like.
1: It seems that way at this point. Um, meanwhile, just it, it continues to be peeled back every day. Yeah, like You wake up and are like, okay, what are we going to find out today? It's uh, it's pretty entertaining.
0: Four six eight six two, the text line number four six eight six two. Of course, on the other side, the Big Ten releasing their twenty twenty four schedule. So with dates and everything confirmed, we'll get to some of the matchups and why once again we're harping on it's going to be tough for IU and Purdue to even get to a bowl game next year. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning thirteen eighty the fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Don't forget, you can always listen in via the stream at 1380thefan.com. You can download the free 1380 The Fan app. Listen on there. We're also on your smart speaker. So If you can't catch us on your radio, you can listen in a variety of other ways. And if you miss anything on the show or want to go back and listen to something from a previous show, you can always download Previous episodes on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts all for free. So the Big Ten, on the same day, the the heated calls happened with the ADs yesterday about the Michigan situation. Well, they also released their 2024 football schedule with the dates and everything finalized. So the key thing, Michigan USC, September 21st, But there are already huge mistakes in this schedule. Not that I'm surprised. Uh Uh-oh. So there's no conference game on opening weekend. Week two, there's one conference game, Michigan State, Maryland. In week three, one conference game, IU-UCLA. That's Mm, it. Riveting. Early on in the season. And again, this will be the, the full rollout of that TV package.
1: Well... Okay, but are there high-profile games early on out of... Yeah, Michigan's playing Texas in Week 2. Quite frankly, I'd rather watch Michigan-Texas than Michigan and Illinois, to be honest.
0: Uh, Purdue has Notre Dame, obviously, nah, I, I believe, in, in Week week 2. <laughs> um, Ohio State just still has a bum
1: schedule for 2024. Um, I'm looking at it. Uh, Penn State at West Virginia. K... Okay. Uh, UCLA goes to LSU in week three, USC and LSU. I'm fine with no conference games early on, as long as some of your teams are playing some absolute bangers, and they are. You want want all of a sudden Big Ten football to play from the jump?
0: No, I just, the fear is what we saw this year where you have all these games, but you got to have at least three solid matchups every single week to justify the TV deal.
1: Yeah, I would agree, but I guess I'm used to some crap. I mean, the SEC plays some crap teams early on. There's some good matchups, so I don't think this is any different than any of the other leagues. I don't have as much of a problem with it
0: as you do. Uh, meanwhile, tough road ahead for IU and Purdue. Now, this is a surprise. So, IU has Florida International to open the season. Uh, Western Illinois in the the second week. Then at UCLA, they play. Uh, Charlotte at home, so again, non-conference schedule. That'll be the primetime game, I'm sure, on NBC. <laughs> well, Charlotte already got a primetime game on, on NBC against Maryland. What was that, week two this year? So, uh, But they have three non-conference games. The Charlotte game will probably be tough, not going to lie. Uh, but then you have Maryland at home at Northwestern, Nebraska at home, Washington at home at Michigan State, Michigan at home at Ohio State, and Purdue at home.
1: This is it's going to be a dose of reality for Purdue next year, and that's what's going to make well, Ryan they, Walters. Well, this is this is no, IU, I know, but, but I'm but going yeah, to Purdue. Purdue? Okay, I, 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 Ryan Walters is having issues this year. Okay, And we say okay, year one, blah, blah blah, but it's a dose of reality for year two for Purdue because this is the schedule. You may, they play Notre Dame. You mentioned that they have to go to Oregon State too.
0: That's going to be tough,
1: and then their their league schedule includes Oregon, Ohio State. Penn state. All right. Welcome to reality Purdue
0: along with Wisconsin on the road
1: and you get Nebraska and Illinois, but like welcome to real life Purdue. You've been basking in the West in the, in the weak ass West for years and you haven't, I mean, other than last year you haven't been able to do much with it. And now you're about to get hit over the head with reality and Purdue fans can criticize IU and, and what they're doing in, ter- in terms of, of uh, load up on non-conference wins, Purdue could reach that, that mark very quickly in terms of, oh, crap, we're going to have to schedule at least two non-conference games that we're guaranteed to win because they're going to be in that same boat in terms of trying to get the bowl, bowl eligibility because their schedule becomes infinitely more difficult now that you're getting rid of leagues.
0: So I know, how does IU get eight home games and only four road games?
1: well probably their non-conference schedule yeah is it just comes around to where they're playing two of those three or three of the four no all three at home
0: whereas purdue has six road games
1: yeah it's it's all about the non-conference because they have to go to uh, oregon state uh, as one of their their games so i I get that um i wanted to get this to too because this is comical and you hear about this in politics all the time too is but CK, as a Michigan fan, find them and restrict recruiting and move on. Harbaugh shouldn't be fired. They hate us because they ain't us. Here's the the thing. Let's say Ohio State was doing this. Do you realize how outraged that texter would be because it's Ohio State? Correct. So this is the thing, is take your team out of it. You're fine if it's your team, but if it's your hated rival, you would be first in line to just absolutely murder Ohio State. And that's why I find so comical in politics, people, because people want to throw such shade at the other side where it's like, if your side did that, you wouldn't have a problem with it. Or if the other side did that, you'd be outraged. This is the same thing with this texter. If Ohio State was doing this, there is no way that this texter would feel this apathetic towards it. None. It's just because it's their team, they don't see it's a problem.
0: And that's that's how it always goes, right? I, I mean That's what I always like, just Take the blinders off,
1: and just think about this: if it was on the other side, and how pissed you would be. Uh, are talking about Ohio State schedule. Yeah, of course, Ohio State uh, non-conference: Southern Miss, Western Michigan, and Marshall.
0: What What do you want them to do? Like, I want them to the schedule thing. at
1: least one good out-of-conference team, but they don't. The thing is, they don't have to. They don't have to. They I play agree. at Oregon.
0: But they play at Penn game. State. They play Michigan. Like. I mean, I agree with you. I'm saying they have the three elite matchups on paper, but everybody is going to have three elite I matchups, know. and that's it? why I, I like. You know, as critical as everyone was with, it, it, seemingly it was directed at Michigan, but it was actually directed at IU as far as the non-conference schedule. Can you blame I like Purdue? They need to help themselves out in the future by getting an easier non-conference schedule, right? And but unfortunately, trying to get the for, for them. That's not going to happen any anytime soon because they still have Notre Dame in 2025. Yeah, they have Ball State and UConn before that. But, I, I mean, they need to help themselves out. They have Notre Dame scheduled for all these games, which is great. It's an old rivalry game. But, like, you look at 2027, at Notre Dame to open the season, North Carolina at home, and Miami of Ohio at home. I, I mean...
1: Well, I'm talking... I mean, Ohio State, I'm looking at it and saying they should play a good team out of conference. I have no problem with what they're doing.
0: I mean, don't
1: change what you don't need to change. I get that. Um, but I will say that it, it, they're, they're non-conference this week. I don't think you can argue against that. Oh Whether no, no right it is wrong. weak,
0: but I mean, Michigan's done it. There's no, there's no punishment for them. As long as they went out, they'll be in the college no, football I, playoff.
1: I agree. And I think with, play the system with now. Well, sure. And now with its 12, 12 team playoff, you can do even less. In the non-conference. Ohio State, three games next year, a non-conference, all three at home. Just, uh, just a, a very difficult schedule. The year after, at least, they start it with Texas. 2025. Yeah, so they have, they have something.
0: But, I mean, you look at this, I guess, are we... Do we think they will... Because we blasted the Big Ten on this before... But with the new teams coming in, will that be enough to make the TV package more appealing next year?
1: Uh, I think you have more. Yes, it will, because you're going to have more marquee games. You're adding Washington, USC. You're adding more m- more big-time programs to the Big Ten. So, yeah, of course. It, it doesn't mean that the, the floor is going to be raised. I don't see all of a sudden Minnesota and Nebraska and... Purdue and IU and Rutgers is all of a sudden being good, but you're at, you're adding to the top end of the league with Oregon and USC. You look at the schedule week by week, you can find at least one game most weeks. That's intriguing. You can't do that right now in the Big Ten. No.
0: I mean even week 1, you have Illinois Kansas as an intriguing matchup in week 1 because there aren't a lot of good, you know, Minnesota North Carolina it's hard week one, right? Every team wants to to play a, a gimme game. Yeah. Penn State at West Penn State Virginia. West Virginia. That's that's an obvious one as well on the list. LSU, USC in Vegas. That's, I think that's in week two that's, or three. That's uh, week one. So that was oh, it week one. Yeah. So that will be a good game. It's just those first two three weeks. You just got to get through and and have matchups. And, and look, here's the thing: we all know what happens. The whether it's a game at Michigan, Ohio State or Penn State, those will probably get TV coverage no matter who they're playing because there'll be a draw. Yeah, I agree. Even if it's a 56-7 blowout.
1: Yeah, I mean uh y- you look at it it's um it's going to be better for the Big 10, but there's still problems. I, I look at ha- I'm scrolling through, I don't care who Illinois is playing. I don't care really who Iowa is playing. Maryland, nope, don't care. Michigan State right now, don't care. Minnesota, Nebraska, no, like there's too many teams that I'm just like I don't care. But at least you're adding to the top. You're adding Oregon, Washington,
0: USC. And you get Nebraska, Colorado in week two again. So you at Ooh. least have some some good storylines early. At least, in a, in again, Michigan, Texas week two. So that's the thing I'm concerned the most about with how this is set up is in the non-conference slate of it, do they have enough good matchups? And I think they do. This year, they did not for the the TV package to be appealing the first 3 or so weeks of the season.
1: It all it all and, and granted a lot these schedules are built years in advance the non-conference. So sometimes it can be difficult, particularly when you look at some of the Pac-12 teams as they're anticipating when they made some of these games 5 6 years ago, that they'd be in the Pac-12 and they're not.
0: Text coming in at 46862. CK, Purdue football better get it together. Uh, you mean this year because I think that's a lost cause. I've no, jumped I off the bandwagon. No, I think it's going
1: forward. I think it, yeah. they they know. That's the thing is Coming back to it, you give Ryan Walters a pass this year, Mm -hmm. but going into next year and that schedule, he better get it together. Or Purdue's in big trouble. I I have said, and I know Purdue fans just hate me saying this, is you can flip-flop IU and Purdue in the divisions over the last half-dozen years, and I think other than maybe last year, the performances would flip with them. IU would have a better record than Purdue in the, in the in the conference over the last 6 years if you just flip the divisions. Purdue is very close is very much m- like IU more than Purdue fans want to think in in football. You just had the luxury of being a, in a terrible division. I mean this this year is arguably the worst the West has ever been and you're 2 and 6. Yeah. And and now it's about to get a hell of a lot more difficult. So Ryan Walters he, he, he better hope that Michigan gets in trouble. He better keep speaking out on his coach's show or go out and recruit more talent quickly because it's about to get real for Purdue football.
0: It's also getting real for Colts linebacker Shaq Leonard. He's unhappy with his playing time. This was supposed to be the time period this month where his playing time would ramp up. Here's, What he had to say and why he just needs to be patient. We'll get to that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Now, this is the SEAL version, right? Oh, you bet your ass it is. SEAL was, like, super popular for, like... Well, it was around... What was the
1: movie? Was it Batman and Robin? It was one of the Batman movies where he was, like... This song and "Kiss from a Rose" was uh-huh. like all over the the, the radio. Like what stuff. was it? Like
0: 98, 99, uh, Yeah,
1: I think ninety seven. It was a Batman movie. I want to say it was Batman or Batman Forever, maybe. I don't know, but that was his heyday. It was like, like a three. "Kiss and a from a Rose"
0: week. was like played nonstop. Yes. It felt like for like a year and a half. Yeah,
1: I, I was gonna. Say, I was gonna. You said a year and a half. I was gonna say like three and a half weeks. It was. Uh, oh, it, it was felt big. like a long. I know time. it did. I know it did. <laughs> But yeah, it was Seal's heyday was when the, that movie came out. It was Batman and Robin or Batman for one of the Batman, one of the bad ones. <laughs> was when Seal was 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 all over the album. We had a text coming. We were talking about Ryan Walters, and uh, said, "Don't necessarily think it's fair to scrutinize college coaches in their first year." I agree. I mean, I'm I'm giving Ryan Walters a pass this year. My thing is, is he, it becomes infinitely more difficult starting next year when you're not hiding in the West with a bunch of mediocrity, and you can put together a run to the Big Ten championship game that we all know Purdue didn't deserve to be in. Technically, they did. They won the West, but they weren't very good. And now even the the favoritism of being in the West goes away next year. You're about to get hit with a very hard dose of reality next year. And that's that's the challenge that Ryan Walter... He's not dealing... He doesn't get to play with the with the uh, advantages that Braum was able to, hiding in the West. He's going to get exposed to the powers in the Big Ten, like Indiana has, to de- has had to deal with the last several years. So the honeymoon's over for Purdue, starting next year.
0: Yeah, year one, though, I, I mean, I, we thought that Purdue, at least I thought, Purdue would carry over and would have the potential to make a bowl game. I wasn't predicting anything. I mean, you knew the Big Ten West would be pretty weak again. and It's been even weaker than oh, expected. Terrible, <laughs> To be fair. Um, but just not taking advantage of that opportunity feels like a bit of a letdown for the season. I and mean, I, yeah. The expectation, again, was just get to a bowl game. It seemed very possible. And then with how bad the Big Ten West has been, it seemed more than possible that you could... Not saying they were going to win the Big Ten West, but you thought, okay, you take care of business. You'll at least be in contention, which is what they did last year, and then they got the breaks down the stretch. This year, it's just offensively between turnovers and offensive line play and injuries. It's just been a disaster.
1: I mean, basically, you look at it, and for all the excitement of Ryan Walters, nobody expected two and six through eight games. No. Okay. So, yeah, he gets a pass for year one, but. Purdue fans expected better in this year, but it doesn't get any, it gets much more difficult next year. You had Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule this year, and everybody was talking about how difficult it was. Oh my gosh, well, you know, IU has to play them every single year and play Penn State. Okay. And next year, you got Notre Dame. You have to go to Oregon State. You have to go to Wisconsin. You get Oregon. You have to go to Ohio State. You get Penn State. I mean, have fun with that. You better be better next year because the schedule is much more difficult.
0: 46862, the text line number again, 46862. Meanwhile, Shaq Leonard, unhappy with his playing time with the Colts. Uh, this was an exchange after practice, the, the full kind of soundbite of what he had to say, the back and forth. Again, reminder, the Colts are planning to ramp him up this month. Currently playing 72% of snaps. Who, Shaq Leonard? Shaq Leonard. Okay. On the season. But here's the full exchange of what he had to say voicing his frustration so far the lack of playing time. We know that uh, November was kind of the the date for you. Here we are in November. Do do you think that Mm. uh, the time is finally here?
3: Me personally, I think so. I mean, for myself, I don't think they, you know, think that. I think it's probably going to be similar maybe maybe even worse. So I'm just going to go out and just Play as many plays as I I can play, and then you know just go from there. Is it something where you feel like you can maybe prove some things to them out there on the field this month? Um, I just feel like each each week I prove who I am. I feel like my the way that I play the game was getting better and better each year, each week. Uh, but you know they say I don't make enough splash plays, so. I guess I'll still be watching for a little bit. How
1: collaborative is that process
3: do you, do you know like going into a game how many plays you're probably gonna get or is it you might not know? Uh, yeah, I kinda I kinda know a little bit. Uh they'll tell me um if I'm gonna split rest with EJ on first or second. I know I'm not in on third down, so I kinda know exactly what it is. You know, if I like it or like it or not, it is what it is.
0: So several key things. One, uh, funny to hear James Boyd. Yeah, you know, asking James questions. Boyd. Uh, along with uh, Nate Atkins as well, of the star, <laughs> both on the show on occasion, um, asking questions there in that that segment. But the the key things he said, if you missed it, is saying if he thinks he's ready. He said, for me, I think so, but I don't think they think that. I think it's probably going to be the same or maybe even worse. Then he, he went on to say, uh, talking about spa- uh, splash plays that... He said, they say, I don't make enough splash plays. And then, you know, talking about, you know, third down, you know, he's probably not going to play and rotating snaps with EJs and EJ speed. Here's the thing. Like you're voicing your frustration at the exact time as the franchise and everyone said, they're going to ramp up your playing time. If this were December 1st, I guess I'd be more understanding, but like you're jumping the gun here. Yeah. Like they've they've told you. November, we're gonna ramp it up. Like on the year, you have forty six tackles, two tackles for loss, no sacks, no <laughs> takeaways, like, and seven games played so far. What do you want? You think the Colts are really not
1: gonna put you out there if you're 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 able to make plays? I'm sorry, Shaq. You haven't been able to make plays. Uh, they're telling me I don't make enough splash plays. It's
0: true! I mean, you don't it's have sacks. You, you, haven't, you don't have any takeaways. And I mean, like, well, well, like, I'm what? not getting
1: enough playing time. You're on the field for three-fourths of the game. 72% of snaps. And you have zero sacks. What do you want? I have, I have nothing but respect for Shaq Leonard, but he's not the same player post-injury. This whole... How, how much... How much have we talked about Shaq Leonard working his way back? It feels like two years now. It is what it is. You are the player you are. You are no longer the player you used to be. And that's going to impact your playing time. Simple.
0: And again, if we get to the end of this month and everything's the same and, and he feels, oh, it's going to be worse as far as his playing time, okay, <laughs> we can revisit this on December 1st. But as of right now, Trust your organization when they tell you one thing, and then ramp up your playing time this month. Instead of speaking right at the beginning of the month about your fear, look, you have this game against Carolina, then you have the Germany game in Frankfurt, Germany against the Patriots, then a bye week. At least wait to revisit it until after those games.
1: I think it's it's almost like a guy or an employee coming in and 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 complaining about his uh, his. Pay or whatever, or his role, and they kind of break it down. Well, you haven't been doing this, 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 and yet he still wants to complain. To Shaq Leonard? You're complaining about your playing time, but you haven't done this, this, this. So like, what the, are you complaining
0: about? This is pre-complaining. Like again, get back to me on December first. At, at 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 minimum, get back to me after the bye week. Are you telling him to
1: get some facts
0: and come back, <laughs> come and, back, back and see, and see me? Yes. Because again, they haven't played a game in November, and what they say, they're going to ramp up his playing time in November. If maybe, you're out there, maybe make some plays. If, if you don't trust your organization, then then we have a whole other thing. But doesn't that just feel like that's the the tip of the iceberg here with what he had to say?
1: I mean, he's basically saying, "Put me in. I'm I'm good. I'm going to make plays." And the Colts are kind of like, "We have had you in, and you haven't made plays."
0: The numbers so, never lie, right?
1: right? Especially when there are lack of numbers.
0: Coming up on the other side, Sin of the Journal-Gazette will join us, uh, discuss Bob Knight a little bit, and preview college football this weekend and Big Ten schedules in the future. Uh, we'll get to him on the other side. Plus, the Colts offensive coordinator said the team will have oddball quarters. Jonathan Taylor is still a huge part of the offense. Well, they're going to have to change that at least this week based on what they did in the second half last week. Brett Rump will join us at 830 30. Preview high school football tonight, sectional championship night, Dwinger at Leo, our game of the week, kickoff at 7, and we'll get to a hard-to-believe murder story in Australia that seems straight out of a a movie or a book. That's all to come. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin, Kenny, thanks for being with us on your Friday. 46862 is always how you can reach out to us on the text line. Again, 46862. Just type in CK first in your question, comment, rant, whatever you have for us on a Friday. Also, don't forget, you can stream us, 1380thefan.com on the free 1380 The Fan app or your smart speaker as well. Sinn of the Journal-Gazette will be with us shortly. Also, we'll talk about the Colts offensive coordinator's comments and why they need to regroup after what happened in the second half last week. Brett Rump will join us around 8.30 to preview high school football sectional championship night tonight. her at Leo, our 1380 The Fan game of the week. And before we leave you, an Australian woman charged with three murders in a story that feels straight out of a movie or a book. We'll get to that about 8.50 or so. Wild, wild story going down under in oh, Australia. Can't wait. Bring it. Joining us now on the guest line, Dylan Sin of the Journal-Gazette. Morning, Dylan. Good
2: morning. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Absolutely. Uh, long time no chat, so there's a, a lot of topics we want to get to with you. We, we start off with Bob Knight and... I guess my question, and we focused at length on yesterday's show on on Bob Knight and his passing, is IU in a spot where it feels like they're finally able to move forward and move on from the last 20 years of basketball?
3: I I, I don't think so. I I think that uh, the thing with Bob Knight is he's for a very long time to come, even now he is going to cast a shadow over the program and there's going to be a segment of the IU fan base that Wants to uh, quote unquote do things like Bobby would have, you know, um, and th- then that's a shorthand, right? It's a shorthand for having really tight discipline with your players, for emphasizing academics, for uh, running motion offense, man-to-man defense, all of that, for building with players. Uh, some some of which are um, are advisable, and some of which are not advisable in tw- in 2023 because basketball has changed a little bit, college basketball in particular. Um, and so there are always going to be a segment of the fan base that wants that, and IU has tried with the hire of Mike Woodson. This is what Scott Dolson basically said when he hired Mike Woodson in 2021, was we want to basically uh, basically honor the legacy of Bob Knight while bringing the basketball on the court into the 20th, into the 21st century, right? Um, and so that was kind of the goal, was to marry the past and the present the tradition. Um, and uh, of IU with the more modern basketball, which is what Mike Woodson brings, the more wide-open offense, and the, the NBA-style um, kind of position with basketball. basketball. So, no, you can't really just move on and say, well, he's gone now. We can we can everything. No, I think he's going to cast a shadow over the program for a while.
1: Dylan, everybody seems to have a, a Bobby Knight story, whether it's a, a personal experience or, or otherwise. But... Anything that you could share in terms of, I mean, even if you, if you don't have a, a, a one-on-one story, but growing up or whatever, just uh, what, what kind of uh, insight can you give us there?
3: You know, what I can say is I was fortunate enough to be at the game against Purdue in 2020 when he returned to Assembly Hall for the first time. Um, and for the first time since 2000, I should say. And... And... Obviously, I did not grow up an Indiana basketball fan. I'm not from the state of Indiana. I'm from Illinois. Um, so I, I didn't really have a context for what he meant until I moved here to the, to the people here. Um, but when I, I was able to see that moment, and it was, it was not only the fans who were obviously extremely excited to see him. It was how much his, uh, the play, he meant to the players, because there was a whole bunch of uh, former IU players, including at the time Mike Woods, who was not IU's coach yet, um, uh, who kind of accompanied him onto the court. And you could tell how emotional they were because they had wanted this for so long. And I just thought that was a really cool moment to witness, and I was really glad I was able to be
0: there. Dylan Sin of the Journal-Gazette with us on the guest line. Uh Shifting gears to college football, we've talked at length about the Michigan scandal, the Big Ten schedule coming out uh, for 2024, uh, back in hour number one. But the actual matchups, interesting game for Notre Dame on Saturday at Clemson. It's a down Clemson program. Dabo Sweeney had some interesting comments to a, a fan earlier this week uh, who kind of called him out about his salary in, in a 4 and 4 record. Notre Dame losing their their top receiver uh, tight in Mitchell Evans. So many things that make you concerned for this matchup. Is Is Clemson, is this the most desperate team that Notre Dame's facing right here?
3: Yeah, I, I, so I, I think that, that yes, my, my impression is that, well, I guess impression is the wrong word because you can't know, but my guess is that Ken Clemson comes out, and this is kind of a lap stand for them, this season anyway, it, it, it's kind of why, well, we can't do anything in terms of the ACC championship or the playoff, but we are not a 4-5 and five football team, we're too good for that, and we're going to go out and, and show it at home against the top 15 team in Notre Dame. Uh, and I, so I think Clemson comes out. My guess is they come out and play very, very hard in this game. Uh, and, and that's the problem for Notre Dame because Clemson is still an extraordinarily talented team uh, despite their record um, and despite some of the games they've lost this year and they have not looked like it. They have a lot of talent on this team. There are five stars all over that defense, especially in the front seven. And, I, and Notre Dame's, Offensive line looks much better against Pitt than it had in the previous game against Duke and Louisville um, and, and, uh, and and those teams, but that's going to be a problem for Notre Dame, I think. I, I think that it, it, the offensive line is going to have to play its best game of the season if it's going to go in there and, and, and beat Clemson in Death Valley, which is always a tough place to play.
1: Dylan losing Mitchell Evans—it's a big deal. I—I I don't know if even we're—we're we're giving it the importance that it—that it—that it deserves because he's been so impactful and such a safety blanket for Sam Hartman with the inability of those wide receivers to have any type of consistency and anybody break out. So now that Notre Dame has to go forward without Mitchell Evans, does it put more onus on the wide receivers? Is um. Is is it uh, uh, some other wide or some other tight ends they're going to step up? What what do you expect? Or is this going to be just a void that Notre Dame is going to have the rest of the season?
3: Yeah, I, so I think last week against Pittsburgh we saw the we saw the blueprint for Notre Dame going forward, which is if you're able to run the ball, the receivers can get open downfield a little bit. You just have them run run four verts and have Sam Hartman throw it over the top, which is he's one of the best in the country at doing that you can hit some big pass plays down the field, and then um, just run the ball for five yards. Pop. That's how Notre Dame's offense would like to function, and it was able to do that against a Pittsburgh defense that has been pretty good this year, quite frankly. And so, despite the team not being very good, so that's how Notre Dame would like to operate. And if they can do that, the loss of Mitchell Evans would be tough, but not insurmountable. Especially because they do have a pair of capable tight ends and and Stays, who's been pretty good this year. And Cooper Flanagan, who caught a touchdown uh, against, against Pitt and who they're very, very excited about. He's a young guy. So that is not the worst thing in the world if they can hit those deep shots That they can run the ball. If they struggle to run the ball, which we just talked about, against Clemson's front seven, which is very good, then it becomes more of an issue. You lose that safety blanket and you wonder wh- where the weapons come from for this Notre Dame team. And, I, and that's the question. Is Can these receivers even come close? the production
0: they put up against Pitt on Dylan Sin of the Journal-Gazette with us on the guest line. For Notre Dame entering this game against Clemson, this is a Clemson team. Three of their four losses, eight points or less. Uh, m- three of the four losses coming on the road. So it's a team that's still going to perform well at home. The-, the lone loss to Florida State, that coming in overtime uh, at home. So w- is there an area where the Irish can really take advantage, though, of this Clemson team? Yeah,
3: I, I think it's... I think it's um- Notre Dame's defense. It, it, Clemson quarterback Kate Clubnick has not been great this year. He's a five-star recruit. Uh, he can move in the pocket a little bit, but when he played against Notre Dame last year, they, they, they came to uh, Clemson came to South Bend. Um, he really struggled. He threw an interception. He, he uh, was flushed out of the pocket on multiple occasions. Um, and, and so, obviously, he's more seasoned now. But Notre Dame was able to get after him, and he threw the ball into traffic. Um, and he's been, been want to do that most of the season, and so Notre Dame has had a lot of success the last couple of weeks, especially with putting pressure on quarterbacks and then getting them to throw the ball into traffic and picking it off. And that's been one of the secrets to success of this Notre Dame defense is t- taking advantage of turnover opportunities when they get them. And so I think that will be where Notre Dame could take advantage. Is this Clemson offense is pretty limited right now? There's not a lot of uh, talent at wide receiver. Uh, they they have not been able to run the ball particularly well in the, in the quarterback limited. So, Notre Dame's defense should be able to slow down the Clemson offense and maybe force some turnovers, and I think that will be the key to victory for Notre Dame is being
1: able to do that. Dylan, when we look at these final th- games for Notre Dame this season and 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 what it entails and how big they are and, and starting at Clemson and the Wake Forest and Stanford, it, it could be it is the difference probably between a New Year's Six bowl and just another ball, and when we talk about the development and the progress of this, of this uh, program under Marcus Freeman, how important is it for him to win these final three games and, sh- and, sh- and take this next step in terms of his development as a head coach in South Bend?
3: Yeah, I, I do think this is an opportunity. Obviously, it, w- it was tough to lose those, those games uh, in the middle of the season and kind of knock yourself out of playoff contention. But I do think that if you go 10-2 this season, And you go, and then you. I I think that there there are very few teams in the country that have as much um, on the line in a New Year's in a non-playoff New Year's Six bowl game as Notre Dame does, because or as much to gain from playing in one of them. Because Notre Dame has had that that bowl streak, uh, that streak of major bowls. They've not won a major bowl game since the mid-1990s under Lou Holtz. So um, winning one of those would be a huge feather in the cap for Marcus Freeman. Uh, in his second year, and then you go into next year thinking we can be a a legitimate playoff team uh, in a 12-team playoff, and you you feel pretty good about that going into year three. Um, And 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 so I think that you have to to get to that New Year's Six goal first, though, and to do that you have to win out. And so I think this is, like you said, the major obstacle to doing that, and then you have a chance to do something Notre Dame hasn't done in basically 30 years here. So that would be huge for Freeman.
0: Dillinson with us. Meanwhile, Purdue, all eyes will be on Purdue, not because of Purdue coming into this matchup playing particularly well, but of course, Michigan's first game since the Connor Stallions sign-stealing uh, scandal. Well, first game after a bye, because they did have the Michigan State game, but with this this matchup, um, is there any way that Purdue can can make this game more interesting just based on everything that's happened over the last two weeks or so?
3: I guess the question is right. How much were those were was stealing the signs helping Michigan? Because Purdue Ryan Walters said on his post show last night that basically they are they have become aware that there were Michigan people at Purdue's previous games, and so Purdue has changed um, its signs completely for this game. And so basically, if 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 Michigan, depending on how much those stealing the signs was helping Michigan win games earlier this season, it's possible that. If they aren't able to feel the signs, or if they don't know Purdue's signs in this game, maybe Purdue plays better and keeps this a game, and we start to see Michigan look a little bit vulnerable and not like the team that's been rolling over everyone all season. So I guess that's, that's a significant question going into this game and a significant variable that could keep this game closer than maybe people, people uh, imagine.
1: Dylan, real quick, with uh, with Purdue basketball and, and touching on on the Boilermakers as, as they prep to start the season and, and what the exhibition uh, schedule has, has brought in those games and what we've learned and what we haven't learned, and, and just the Purdue's approach. Is, is anything that kind of stands out through the exhibition games to say, hey, this is something to watch as the Boilermakers start the regular season?
3: Yeah, I, I think you're, you're still looking at, they're still looking for who's going to get minutes at the I think obviously they, they like Miles Colvin and Cam Heidi that Matt Panther's study after the exhibition game against Grace the other day. Uh, Miles Colvin and Cam Heidi, they bring a lot of athleticism. They, they, they can really play above the rim in a way that Purdue doesn't have a whole lot of other guys that can do that. Um, but they really like Lance Jones at that small forward position as the starter right now. They think he
2: brings a little bit of
3: that plus experience. And so I think you're going to see that, that um, kind of competition play out over the first couple of games of the regular season here and see if either Heidi or Colvin can really step up and and start to take some minutes from the veteran. I don't think that'll be the case. I think that that Lance Jones is probably going to be the guy there um, because it gives you an extra ball handler at that position. Um, But that's something to watch going into the season is they're going to get some minutes against some of the the, uh, mid-major teams that Purdue plays, uh, Heidi and Colvin are, can either of them kind of really step up and start to take some minutes there.
0: Dylan Sin of the Journal Gazette. Dylan, as always, appreciate you coming on. And uh hopefully we won't go so long next time before you have we have you back on again.
3: Absolutely, guys. Always glad to always glad to be on. Thanks for having
0: me. That's Dylan Sin with us coming up on the other side. The Colts are gonna have to make some adjustments. The offensive coordinator said they'll have some oddball quarters. Well, you can't afford an oddball half. We'll explain what's going on there next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan, one hundred point nine FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, Sean Paul. Yes,
1: going to Sean Paul. Yeah, just uh, you let us know. We'll we'll uh, we'll be out.
0: We out the clubs like Sean Paul. Temperature. Just
1: give us the deets.
0: Can you give me some some temperature next rejoin? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah, get us real it's two jacked lines up here. Down, I can really yeah. give you
1: some Sean Paul back coming back next time. <laughs> yeah, book it.
0: Uh, Colts offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter said the team will have some quote oddball quarters, but Jonathan Taylor is still a huge part of the offense after Sunday's game against the Saints. Uh, here's here's the biggest thing in all of this. Jonathan Taylor only had two touches the entire second half in the game against the Saints. In a game in which he had 82 rushing yards the end of the first quarter. He had only one carry for one yard in the second half. He also had a a reception for two yards. How do you get away from the player you just signed to this big extension and you made such a big deal about it, he held out for so long, and then you don't give him the ball? Like, like, like you you can't afford... An oddball quarter, let alone an oddball half, where your best offensive player isn't touching the football.
1: Well, I mean, Jim Bob Cooter kind of said what he said, but Shane Steichen's calling the plays. So it it rests in Shane Steichen's hands on why. And he mentioned in postgame, talking about Zach Moss's big run and kind of just, oh, we ran with the hot hand there. And then we got in the passing situations. That's what led
0: to it. You were down eight points and and (laughs) put yourself in in passing situations. I guess that's my biggest issue here is like they panicked early, as you said, on Monday, and then you have two, this season at least, elite running backs who were having success, and then you get away from it. I think it was
1: an error in judgment on Shane Steichen, whether he, I wouldn't say he forgot about Jonathan Taylor, but he looked at Zach Moss was running pretty well, and then he well, are he, we still trying to work Jonathan Taylor in, go go with the hot hand, that stuff. I just legitimately think Shane Steichen made a commitment for whatever reason in that second half to stay, we're gonna have to throw the ball to win this game. Whether he was right, wrong, and whatever, that was his decision. He just needs to own it.
0: Yeah. And and this is a game for the Colts against Carolina. Carolina is twenty against the run. They're thirtieth in points allowed. I mean, you're not going to get many better opportunities than you, than you do against a team like Carolina, who struggled. Obviously, coming off their first win, but it's not a good football team.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing of this game is Carolina got that win. I, I don't. Yes. Eventually, Carolina was going to win a game. You just didn't want to
0: be that team. No. And the and the and if you're the Colts, I mean, on one hand, yeah, maybe you. Have you let your guard down at least a little bit because you're not playing, you know, a, a winless team. You're like, oh, they gotta win. Like you can't let that happen.
1: No, I, I really think this is a game that the Colts really we say I almost say this every week about what they really need, but you can't if you're gonna win a road game, this needs to be it. Yes. You you can't you can't let this game get away against arguably the worst team in football in Carolina. So for me when you look at this game as it, it, it it's a stretch of weird games kind of cuz you get Carolina then you have to go to Germany to play New England then you get the bye right if you can get this one and do it in an emphatic fashion you feel pretty good as opposed to being 3 and 6 and going overseas to try to get a win before the bye mm, things can snowball quickly i think this is a key game for the Colts and i think really it makes it easier on the mindset with Carolina not being winless.
0: There aren't many surefire games you absolutely should win games left on the schedule. This is one of basically two. The other one being Houston at the end of the, the season. You yes. gotta win these games. You do. And I get that people say, Well, you you want to get a good draft pick and all I understand. But this is a team that you thought is gonna win five, six games. These are the games you have to win to get there, and these are the games you should win. You, you need to see some development and some growth. And I get it, Richardson's hurt, and you're not, you know, seeing that with your rookie quarterback. So it kind of changes the perspective. This is not a playoff team, but this is a team that absolutely, at minimum, should win five games. And and this is one you got to have.
1: If you're a, if you're a a better I think a fair bet this weekend, if you're betting on the Colts game, is whatever the carries is for Jonathan Taylor, take the over. I really think after last weekend and all the discussion this week and Jonathan Taylor seemingly back 100% in form, I think they lean on him in this game. I think they try to make a point. I think they try to establish the run. They go in there and out physical Carolina and just feed the guy that they just paid whatever that over-under is. I don't know if it, what it is. If it's 16 and a half, 18 and a half, take the over. Jonathan Taylor is going to get fed, fed, fed this weekend.
0: Coming up on the other side, Brett Rump will join us, preview area high school football sectional championship games, our game of the week, Dwinger at Leo. He'll join us next to look at all the area and who has the best chance to to get to state that's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. Caleb Atch and Justin Kenny with you on a Friday. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan, one hundred point nine FM. Here's your temperature for you. Thank you. You're welcome. If only it were warmer.
1: Uh huh. Can't complain. We're not looking out the window at frosty fields like we yes, were earlier this earlier
0: week. this week. Is brutal,
1: and I'm sure it'll be back next week. But enjoy the weekend. It's supposed to be
0: very nice. 50s, very close fall to sixty. Like.
1: Yeah, like get okay, good fall weekend. Get out and enjoy it.
0: Joining us now on the guest line, it is Brett Rump, host of the Sports Rush every afternoon, weekday afternoon from 4 to 6. Also our voice of high school sports on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. In fact, talking about the weather, great night for sectional championship games. No no rain, no sleet, no nonsense. Uh, Going to be a nice fall night tonight.
2: You know, Caleb, uh, I, I, when I told you before the season started that my threshold was, uh, 50 degrees. Uh, that uh, that I bow out when it gets in the 40s. Uh, I appreciate you working out a deal with Mother Nature to make sure that the temperatures got into the 50s today. So I've actually got a
0: job to do tonight. It is a lot nicer than I think anyone would have expected at this time <laughs> of year, for sure. Uh, let's let's start off with our game of the week: Bishop Dwinger at Leo. Uh, the last time the Lions won a sectional title way back in 2011. This seems like their best chance to end that streak. Dwinger's been kind of an up-and-down team on the season. Is this is this the Leo team that finally becomes that breakout team that I think people have expected the last couple of years?
2: You want to hesitantly say yes, that this is a special Leo team, but we've had a few of them along the way. I mean, Jared Stouter, year after year after year, he took this Leo team through seasons with one or two losses, and it just seemed like they had... Uh, they were snakebit trying to get that sectional championship. It was just so difficult. And this sectional's always been a difficult sectional to navigate. And uh, last week, the, uh, they may have taken on the hottest team in our area in East Noble. I thought East Noble was playing at a fantastic level. I didn't think they could get any better than the, the quality of football they were playing. The running game at the line of scrimmage, uh, the passing game Sander Brazel, I just thought that's a very complete East Noble team. And so I was very impressed with the fact that Leo was able to win that game in dramatic fashion. But, you know, the other thing is Leo's happy to overcome the loss of kind of a go-to running back in Brett Fuller. And how about Darius Carter last week and what he was able to do in the running game? I mean, that's what they needed. Next man up, somebody had to step up and play big for them. It provides some balance because Kyler Decker is really coming along as a quarterback, and we all know he's got a couple of pretty good weapons when he wants to fling it in the air in Caden Hurst and Brock Shot, So um, I-, I think right now you've got uh, this all comes down to the Leo defense. If they can shut down the Bishop Wenger running game, and what seems to be almost a rejuvenated Ethan Springer in the passing game, uh, I think Leo's got a real shot, and it might be a good omen for Leo since that 2011 team beat Bishop Dwinger in the sectional championship and went on to actually play in a semi-state. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens tonight.
1: Brett, a lot of people forgot that Northside is still alive in the postseason, haven't played, and it feels like a calendar month, but they'll take on Snyder tonight at Spuller Stadium. I mean, is it a rested Northside team? Is it a rusty team? Are they locked in? Are they checked out? They always seem to play Snyder tough, but it's a situation where they haven't played in three weeks. You kind of don't know what to expect.
2: You, You just said it perfectly. We don't know what to expect. You almost feel like you should put out that gif or gif or whatever they call it with the Undertaker flat on the mat, and then all of a sudden popping up. (laughs) Because for Northside, that's basically what we've got. We've got a team that, you know, a lot of times you think the postseason is a chance to make some amends for things that didn't go your way during the regular season. And, of course, we know this Northside team is sprinkled with some really good football players. The only problem is we don't know – who's going to play tonight. We know Bronte Johnson is out, and so we don't know what Northside football team will see, and we don't know where they're at mentally, psychologically, physically. Uh, It's it's going to be, and then you take on a Snyder team, which is not exactly the way to come back after having a couple (laughs) of weeks off, because Snyder, certainly a, a really complete football team and Uh, you know, and and Uriah Buchanan's as good as anybody we've got in the Summit Athletic Conference running the football. Uh, I just think it's too great of a test with too long of a layoff for Northside. I think Snyder wins the game. Might even be easy, and that's something to say when these two teams hook up because the last three games they've played against each other have been decided by four points, two points, and two points. So they've got a history of playing very close games. I just don't know that tonight will be one of them.
1: One team that I think some people are surprised are in action tonight, the Garrett Railroaders that are after taking care of Heritage last week on the road. Garrett will host Delta tonight to try to win their first sectional title since 2016. This is a reasonably young Garrett team, a little bit ahead of schedule, but credit to Coach Chris DePew for getting his team ready for the playoffs and now just a win away from a title. Can they get it done tonight against Delta?
2: Well, you know, never say never because of that win last week against a really good heritage squad. Uh, You know, Garrett clearly has brought the defense in some of these big-time games, and that's what they're going to have to do tonight against Delta. Delta is a team that has a two-headed running back, and I say that figuratively, not literally. Uh, Caden Bond and Nolan Carpenter They both get over 12 carries a game. They combine for about 275 yards a game. You've got to take that aspect away from Delta and force it to be in the quarterback's hands. Now, he's not been bad. He's had 15 touchdown passes, only five picks all year. But that's not where Delta is most comfortable. They want to be able to establish the running game with the uh, duo of running backs they've got. And if Garrett defensively can take away that part of Delta's offense, I think Garrett's got a chance to compete, especially at home. Delta's going to have the long trip because they not only come up to Fort Wayne, they pass Fort Wayne and head up to the Auburn exit to get over to Garrett. So that's a long trip for a team from Muncie. And, uh, and it's a 7.30 start. The game's going to start later than normal because of that trip. But, uh, you know, you got Chris DePew, a veteran coach, and I think Garrett will be ready. I think this game ultimately ends up being very close. I could see it going either way between Garrett and Delta tonight.
0: Brett Rump joining us. So take away Adams Central. They've had a, a great season. But what team up to this point you feel like has the best shot outside of Adams Central to make it to Lucas Oil Stadium in the state finals?
2: Why did you have to add that disclaimer? (laughs) I want to take Adams Central. That's the easy answer. Um, You know, other than that, I'd have to say Snyder. Uh, I think, you know, the the Panthers, uh, I think they've got a complete football team defensively. I like what they do, especially with their linebackers. I think when you look at uh, offense, when Snyder has a good offensive line, Snyder is a threat to make it to a state championship game. And I think they've got a really solid offensive front. Tidrell uh, Billingsley has been better than most of us expected at quarterback. I think he's even maybe been better than uh, the Snyder coaching staff expected. You know, you take a guy that had played quarterback, but then got moved to receiver just to get him on the, on the field, and you just wonder a one-year guy at quarterback as a senior. What is he going to be able to do, and will he be able to balance the offense? He's shown that he can engineer the offense. He's, uh, he's done a terrific job when Snyder's been forced into passing situations. But I, I think when you look at the North, there's a couple of teams you've got to keep an eye on, of course. Merrillville being one of those. Valparaiso, always a threat. Um, and I don't want to look too far ahead for Snyder because they've still got games to play before they would have that matchup. But if you're going to take the obvious answer away from me and make this a little more difficult, uh, I would have to say Snyder.
1: Brett, wanted to ask you real quick about Bluffton. And there's so much attention over the years with 2A, and you say, well, Bishop Lewers is it in terms of this area, in terms of making runs. Bluffton has a chance to make it back-to-back sectional championships tonight. They entertain Eastern out of Greentown. Tonight, they could have a potential matchup with Bishop Lures in the regional if both teams would win tonight. But you look at the Bluffton Tigers and what Coach Brent Kunkel has done down there and galvanized that program and, and the community surrounding it. It's just one of those feel good stories in rural Indiana. Where we talk about a uh, uh, high school sport really taking over. Does Bluffton have a shot, not just tonight, but I mean, could we look at this and say, even if they play Bishop Lures next week and it's a rematch from a year ago? It's not like Bishop Lewis has looked absolutely tremendous in the first two weeks of the postseason. I mean, this Bluffton team has a chance to do some real damage in the postseason.
2: Yeah, they do. And then the ping-pong balls did them no favor. (laughs) And, you know, that's the tough part. If you look at what their path through this tournament, I mean, they've got a a ball game that they've got to be ready for every single week. There's no down weeks. There's no margin for error. They've got a, a tough Eastern squad that comes in. Tonight, and I mean, this is, this is a team to take very seriously. Uh, I see a lot of similarities in what Eastern does with what Heritage does, and, you know, Heritage knocked off Bluffton. So, you know, you look at Eastern, they've got a quarterback who I believe is the coach's son, Eli Edwards. This kid, for 2A football, he's 6'4", 231 pounds, completes 67% of his passes, and has thrown for 2,300-plus yards this year. So they can sling it, but then they can also run it. Uh, Jaden Eagle, their running back, has run for over 1,900 yards. Get this, he's averaging 11.8 yards per carry. How nice is it on first down? You can run the football and move the chains almost every time if you go by averages. So this is a tough eastern offense. I think that's going to be the challenge for Bluffton. They've got to be able to come up with the defensive stops, somehow contain a very uh, diversified Eastern offense. I think Bluffton will score in this one. My big question is if they're going to win this, they're going to have to find the defense. So I don't think, even though you can talk about Bluffton and having the potential to make a deep run, I think you also have to look at Bluffton and say they've got the potential to lose tonight. They need to be ready to play and not take Eastern for granted and not start to feel pretty overly confident after they got those first two wins against Alexandria in Eastbrook. So uh, I, I like the Bluffton team. I like that they're healthy at the right time of year. Um, and, but but again, um, they've got a tough one tonight.
0: Brett Rump joining us. Before we let you go, a, a, a story that came out earlier this week with the IHSAA moving state finals games, including volleyball, starting this weekend, football into this month, boys and girls basketball to streaming only it felt like the IHSAA didn't have any other options on this. Would you agree with that, or do you think there was something else that could have been done?
2: No, there's really no other way to go about it. Um, I mean, unless the IHSAA wants to foot the bill for all the production and try to provide free streaming, and they obviously just don't have the, uh, the funding, or at least that's what they'll tell us, they don't have the funding to be able to support that. Um, you know you don't you can't really get affiliates hardly anymore as far as trying to get statewide coverage like the old days now the contractual obligations that so many of the networks have they can't just uh, drop off of primetime programming or network programming it it creates uh, a real problem for the IHSAA. In fact, it's a bigger problem because now you're talking about this situation with the Pacers and what do they do? Uh, this is not on the IHSAA. I want everybody to be clear. This is on the problems with Diamond Sports Group and Bally Sports, which are their regional television networks. That's why this exists. And, you know, I, I think as long as they can keep it affordable, that's one thing. Um, you know, from somewhat of a selfish standpoint, it does help the free radio broadcast. We're still free, so you can always get us. But, but the reality is uh, I don't think the IH- IHSA had any other choices or options this year. I think it would take a while to negotiate something with a local station to provide a broadcast and then be able to work with area networks or area stations and affiliates to see if anybody would be interested in joining uh, that just is a complicated uh, web that they've, they've got to navigate, and they can't do it as quickly as they would have had to do it this year. So all things considered, I think it's the best resolution, might have been the only resolution to at least provide some type of televised coverage for the state championships.
0: Right, Rob, host of the Sports Rush from 4 to 6. You'll catch it this afternoon. Then the Parkview Sports Medicine High School Football Tailgate pregame show live from Leo from six to seven and then kickoff at seven between Dwinger and Leo for a for a sectional title on the line tonight. Brett will have the call. Brett, as always, appreciate you joining us.
2: Thanks, guys. Have a great Friday.
0: So again, Dwinger, Leo, our high school football game of the week, sectional championship game week, and then we'll have less and less area teams as the tournament goes on, especially after tonight. We'll, We'll see. Hopefully, though, Hopefully, it's not just one team at state. Usually, we get two, right? And hopefully, we could get that second team this year. Hopefully, uh, I think.
1: And Adam Central, too. And there were some people yesterday on social media kind of, oh, why doesn't Adam Central get much coverage? They're a victim of their own success because they just dominate everybody they play. Yes. So, when you look at it in the regular season, you look at the ACAC, like nobody was touching Adam Central. Okay, we had so many storylines in the NEA and SAC. Just look at the ACAC. It was like, okay, AC is going to roll everybody. And they, and they did. And even in through sectional, like tonight against Madison Grant, they're they're going to roll Madison Grant by thirty at, at least. It's not even going to be close. So you really look at Adam Central as that team that you know is going to be there at the end. So you try to look at, for those other stories in the meantime. But don't worry, Adam Central will be there. It's Thanksgiving weekend; they'll be they'll be down in Indianapolis, and that's when they'll get their love.
0: Coming up on the other side, no love for an Australian woman accused of three murders in an incident that seems straight out of a book or a movie. We'll explain what's going on next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Final time here on a Friday, final time for the week, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Don't forget, if you're a fan of The Fan, we want to hear from you. Text SURVEY to 46862. Again, just text the word SURVEY to the number 46862. Fill out our short fan survey if you fill it out, you'll be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. All right, final story of the day, final story of the week. This is so bizarre in Australia. So a woman has been accused of using poisonous mushrooms and has been charged in three murders. Again, this is in Australia in Leongatha, Gatha, a country town, 84 miles southeast of Melbourne in Victoria. Uh, the the dish she made beef wellington suspected to contain poisonous death cap mushrooms. Death cap is what they yes. call death cap mushrooms. So charged with three counts of murder, five counts attempted murder. Uh, they didn't name her directly in the case. Police did, but details some circumstances aligned closely with her case and national media quickly reported her arrest. She maintained she did nothing wrong. Um... Th- this is apparently what went down. So three people died in the days after the July 29th lunch at her home uh, from early on. Police said the stricken people showed symptoms consistent with consumption of death cap mushrooms known to grow in Victoria. Uh, the victims in the case, Donna Gill Patterson, both 70 years old were Patterson's former in-laws, Heather Wilkinson, 66 years old, Gail Patterson's sister, Ian Wilkinson, 69 years old, Heather's husband who was sickened, but recovered, and a 48-year-old man who became ill after three other meals dating to 2021. Now, that man was list, uh, was not identified, but widely believed to be Simon Patterson, Aaron's estranged husband. He'd reportedly been invited to that lunch, but canceled. But there are three other earlier incidents that match social media postings attributed to him, including one in which he described being in an induced coma for more than two weeks, having emergency surgery, about a life-threatening stomach and intestinal issues.
1: So here's my thing. I don't know if she's purposely trying to kill these people or she's just an idiot. Like, because you can get, they said that you can go out and, and find these mushrooms just growing. And you're warned that they're poisonous mushrooms. Was she just not aware that they were poisonous
0: mushrooms? Now, that's where it gets interesting. So the death cap mushrooms... Uh, An alert had gone out that they were growing in the state, and then you get to the symptoms on this, and it is brutal. It's not ideal. Violent stomach pains, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. And death. Uh, Yeah, obviously death. (laughs) Uh, The mushroom's toxins can leave a survivor's liver seriously damaged, so even if you survive. Uh, Consuming just one mushroom can kill an adult, according to the australian health agency the victoria department of health again they had an advisory warning on this she made beef wellington mix of mushrooms from a supermarket dried mushrooms from an asian grocery that's what she told investigators a beef tenderloin baked in a puff pastry so have you ever had beef wellington I don't know, but I don't know if I want to have it now. Uh, No, not with mushrooms. Uh, I don't don't like mushrooms, so probably I haven't had it.
1: Yeah, so you don't have to worry about death cap mushrooms. But yeah, if you're out there and just casually picking mushrooms and want to eat them, just make sure they're not death cap mushrooms.
0: Now, she told police that she also ate the Beef Wellington and that she also became ill. Ah.
1: See, that's why I'm just thinking. like She's she's just an idiot. I, I need tangible evidence to know that she knew exactly what she was putting in the Beef Wellington. That's if I'm on that jury. That's my question. I'm asking. You need to prove to me, because she very well just could be a moron.
0: The victim spent roughly a week in the hospital before dying. The survivor uh, was not able until September 23rd. Again, July 29th lunch, when mm. he and left for the two hospital. Months. Yeah,
1: and he will probably not be eating beef Wellington again. No, or anything that she cooks for that matter. No, <laughs> no, I
0: I would not either. Uh, thanks to our guests Dylan Sin and Brett Rupp. for Justin Kinney. I am Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us. Dan Patrick Show up next. Have a great weekend, everybody.